Hello, and welcome back to the School Health Shoutout, bringing you the latest research happenings in school health. Today is going to be part three of three of the Leading Healthy Schools series. As a reminder, this is about a paper that I wrote um, as my final assignment for grad school, um, all about how principals can use the whole school, whole community, whole child model to lead efforts towards health equity, educational equity, and social equity in their communities. Uh, part three will include counseling, psychological, and social services health services, nutrition environment and services, employee wellness, and community involvement. So counseling, psychological, and social services can provide important assistance and intervention in the mental, emotional, and social problems that impact school-age youth. Uh, we know that students uh, deal with a barrage of different issues and challenges, such as divorce, such as substance abuse, suicidal ideation, violence, and questioning of their sexuality. Healthy People 2030 even addresses this component, aiming for two goals to first increase the proportion of children and adolescents who receive preventive mental health care in school, and to increase the proportion of public schools with a counselor, social worker, and psychologist. It's crucial that principals keep in full view the role that these student support services professionals play in ensuring a uh, healthy and equitable learning environment for all the students that they serve. Um, so a little bit on each of these three professionals. School counselors spend their time and energy to provide direct and indirect services to students and deliver comprehensive school counseling programs that promote student achievement. The American School Counselor Association recommends a counselor to student ratio of 1 to 250. School psychologists work with students, staff, and parents to establish a supportive learning environment for students, promoting connections between school, home, and the community. School psychologists provide interventions to students around academic skills, social skills, and life skills, and system-level support to practices that promote learning, preventive and responsive services, and family school collaborative services. The NASP, the National Association of School Psychologists, recommends a ratio of school psychologists to students uh, that does not exceed 1 to 1,000. Okay, so um, 1 to 1,000 or less. Um, school social workers also provide a link between the school, home, and community at large, engaging the assessment of special education services, consulting with school staff, serving on committees within school community, and providing direct services to students and families through casework, interventions, consultation, and referrals. The school social work practice model recommends a ratio of 1 to 250 uh, students to school social workers, depending on the needs of students that may vary. Um, a principal must be aware of the roles of these three individuals, how they support students individually, and how they support the school as a whole. When a building, when you are building a school WISC team, you need to ensure that there's representation from at least one of these three professions, otherwise you risk leaving wisdom and talent untapped. Um, cultural considerations at the individual level include uh, education amongst the um, counseling, psychological, and social services staff. At the interpersonal level, consider how counseling, psychological, and social services staff uh, communicate around different issues with students and families. At the organizational level, consider how these staff are inventorying and utilizing non-traditional assistance, such as community partnerships. Um, also consider including students in the development of uh, counseling, psychological, and social services programs. Uh, as we've discussed before, students are the ones that can really determine whether or not they'll participate in something. Um, and at the community level, 
consider how to better partner with community organizations, um, such as partnering with a food bank to discuss food insecurity and food resources available to students. And then lastly, at the policy level, uh, include families and students in the critical review of policies related to counseling, psychological, and social services, and work with the community to improve upon those policies. Health services ensure access to or referral to primary care, promote the use of primary care and prevent and control infectious disease, provide emergency care, promote sanitary school environment, and provide educational opportunity for health promotion for individuals, family, and the community. Okay. Uh, there's a wide variety of what health services may look like in schools, but the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends at least one assessment of health complaints, medication administration and care for students with special health care needs, two, a system for managing emergencies and urgent situations, three, mandated health screening programs, verification of immunizations and infectious disease reporting, and four, identification and management of students' chronic health care needs that affect educational attainment. Okay, so uh, Healthy People 2030 has goals pertaining to school health services. One goal is to increase the proportion of middle and high schools that provide case management for chronic conditions. And then the other is to increase the proportion of secondary schools uh, with a full-time registered nurse. Um, the National Association of School Nurses recommends a formula-based approach for determining how many school nurses you need uh, with a 1 to 750 nurse-to-student ratio for the general population and then 1 to 225 ratio uh, with students with complex health care needs. Um, so due to the uh, highly variable availability of school health services. Um, they vary a lot district to district. There's kind of three models um, for what health services may look like. First are school-based health center or SBHCs. Uh, these are health centers located within the school that can provide one or multiple services, including primary care, preventive care, mental health care, uh, referrals, and even basic follow-up services. Uh, these are often um, staffed by a provider. Um, there are also SLHCs. Um, these are school-linked health centers uh, where the coordination of services occurs on campus, uh, but services are actually delivered off campus. Um, these are also, there are also mobile programs that allows a healthcare team to visit multiple sites. Um, I think this is a really great um, option to provide uh, rural health services to schools. Um, so health services offered through a school are an excellent opportunity to decrease inequities as it relates to health care access. Students who use school-based health centers engage in more physical activity, they eat more healthy food than students who do not use school-based health centers. Um, some interventions uh, can even be more impactful at a school-based health center um, compared to a standard primary care facility due to increased access to students in need of intervention. Um, most literature on the relationship between health services and academic performance theorizes the causal relationship is a link between the intermediate outcome of health status, meaning the students are healthier and therefore able to um, learn better. Um, but a recent study shows that a link between school-based health centers uh, results in increased student connectedness, which is linked to student achievement. Um, the link between school connectedness and school-based health centers has increased efficacy in low socioeconomic status adolescents. So, um, good news. Uh, cultural considerations at the 
individual level are in regards to the education among health services staff about the health beliefs, attitudes, and knowledge and practices of diverse communities, and also professional development among health services staff to provide uh, culturally sustaining care. At the interpersonal level, you want to consider how communication occurs with students and parents and families. Um, at the organizational level, you want to conduct self-assessment of the ability to meet the needs of a diverse population um, and make changes as necessary. Um, at the community level, partner with local organizations to supplement services such as specialized services or improving service to minority populations. And lastly, at the policy level, you want to assess how health service policies either improve or detract from health equity. Again, this series is brought to you by the fictional School Health Shoutout Store. Um, one of the things not available in the store right now but that I designed um, is the Cole Balansworth Birch Video and Bosch shirt, um, also known as the Greats. Um, I've cited all of these individuals multiple times throughout this uh, paper. Uh, one time my wife thought that I was going to become famous as a result of doing things like school hall shout out um, and I asked her do you know who David Birch is and she said no and I said well guess I'm not going to get famous doing this um, and that's okay uh, because a lot of people involved in school health know exactly who David Birch is um, and all of these individuals uh, on the shirt uh, I heard Lloyd Kolb referred to the other day as uh, the grandfather of school health um, which I thought was um, uh, an awesome compliment. So um, this shirt, again, is not available, um, but hopefully you got a laugh out of it. Nutrition, environment, and services refers to food served within the school. Um, this is widely recognized as a means of reducing food insecurity. Um, schools provide more than 30 million students lunch um, and breakfast to more than 11 million children. So a ton of food gets served through schools. Um, this is recognized through Healthy People 2030, uh, which has uh, three goals related to this. Increase the proportion of students participating in the school breakfast program. Increase the proportion of, of schools that don't sell healthy food and drinks. Um, and then increase the proportion of eligible students participating in the summer food service program. Now there's a wealth of literature making the connection between um, healthy eating and academic um, achievement. Sigby, um, Whitney, and Peterson found a strong connection between healthy nutrition and adequate physical activity and academic achievement. Um, creative integrations with other components also seem to be promising with school gardens uh, with garden-based curricular ties improving eating behavior over time. Um, and then messaging about local agriculture and cafeterias can actually improve students' attitudes, preferences, uh, and ultimately choice to consume locally grown vegetables. Uh, and this was particularly true in low-income primary school students. Uh, the link between nutrition and academics is so crucial that the American Academy of Family Physicians, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Dietetic Association, the National Hispanic Medical Association, the National Medical Association, and the U.S. Department of Agriculture all got together uh, to draft a 10-point call to action for schools. Uh, first is engaging and collaborating with students, parents, and teachers to assess the eating environment of the school. Second, to provide adequate funding at the local, state, and federal levels to assist in the development of healthy eating patterns. Third, integrating behavior-focused nutrition education from pre-K through grade 12 and staff training for 
people who provide that nutrition education. Uh, fourth, providing school meals that meet USDA national nutrition standards of sufficient choices that include new foods and foods prepared in different ways to serve the taste preferences of diverse student populations. Fifth, providing sufficient time and designated lunch periods. Sixth, ensuring sufficient number of serving areas for student access to school to limit wait time. And seventh, allocating an adequate space to accommodate all students and pleasant surroundings. Eighth, encouraging students, teachers, and community volunteers to practice healthy eating to serve as role models in the school dining areas. Ninth, ensuring that when foods are sold in addition to the National School Lunch Program meals, the foods represent the five major food groups of the Food Guide Pyramid. And lastly, uh, making decisions that the sale of foods in addition to the National School Lunch Program uh, meals are made based on nutrition goals, not profit making. Okay. So not all of these are within the purview of a principal's role, um, but they're nice to be aware of as you do try to um, improve the nutrition environment within your school. The School Nutrition Association is kind of the largest professional organization representing um, the nutrition environment and services component, um, does a lot of advocacy in the area of nutrition environment and services. So to spread the word on the effectiveness of school breakfast and lunch, they developed uh, fact sheets for each meal. And I wanted to share with you some highlights from each. So school breakfasts are associated with increased academic performance, cognitive function, improved behavior, and reduced absenteeism. School lunch meals are healthier than the typical packed lunch with uh, fewer calories and sugar than lunch is brought from home, leading to students uh, consuming fewer empty calories, more fruit, more vegetables, and more fiber than peers. School lunch participation is associated with decreased childhood obesity, reduces food insecurity uh, that's been associated with poor health and academic outcomes. At the individual level, you want to consider uh, the education among nutrition staff about the nutritional behavior and beliefs of students and families. The interpersonal level, you want to ensure communications regarding food and nutrition issues are sensitive to individuals' lived experiences, such as the culture or impacts of poverty. Um, at the organizational level, be sure to integrate food rep food that's representative of multiple cultures. At the community level, you want to consider uh, participation with diverse community groups as you work on this. And lastly, uh, at the policy level, you want to assess how school nutrition practices either improve or detract from student health and involve families and community members in the, in the improvement of those policies and practices. Okay, employee wellness. So just as we know that students deserve to be healthy, safe, engaged, supported, and challenged at school, uh, so should staff. They deserve that as well. If we know that healthy students are better learners, it follows them that healthy teachers are better able to teach. Healthy administrators are better able to lead. Um, a healthy bus driver is more capable of safely transporting our youth. So while staff deserve to be healthy solely for ethical reasons, just as students do, there are tremendous benefits to it. Okay, um, so from a fiscal standpoint, every dollar spent on employee wellness can generate a return on investment between $1.60 and three ninety. Um, after a few years, and this is due to reduced health care costs uh, and absences, according to the National Center for Chronic Disease Directors. Uh, 
Positive employee wellness can also improve job satisfaction, can reduce burnout, and help reduce teacher turnover. Uh, teacher wellness is also an issue of equity um, as teacher burnout lowers student motiva motivation, it increases student stress, and the turnover of staff lowers student achievement. Um, Alex Shirvin Vinay, Vinette, um, in a recent book, Equity-Centered Trauma-Informed Education, has an entire chapter on supporting teacher wellness. Vinay calls for the foundation, the foundational practice to be creating a culture of care, confronting oppression and how it may be perpetuated in schools, instead providing an environment in which all students and adults can be fully human. Uh, to do this, school leaders need to do a few things, including make it a priority, build in time for reflection and sense-making, reflective supervision, and going beyond cutesy wellness, and centering shared humility. And there's a quote that I wanted to share with you about cutesy wellness that I really love that says, wellness isn't just bubble baths and yoga, yet this type of cutesy wellness is sometimes all that's offered to teachers. Any of these gestures could come across as genuine and caring if they are done in an environment where leadership already demonstrates consistent support for her staff. If there is a general attitude of mistrust or lack of support, these gestures can feel insulting or belittling. For teachers who are up all night worrying about their students or reeling from an active shooter drill, salad in a jar just isn't going to help. Okay? Uh, leaders must recognize that educators have social and emotional needs. Um, leaders must look at staff, assess the resources available, incentivize program participation, and encourage their own staff to kind of own the initiative. Um, and so I just wanted to kind of give you some ideas for what this might look like. So programs, efforts, and initiatives to improve wellness are plentiful, especially when you view wellness in a wide and a holistic manner to include the physical, emotional, social, spiritual, environmental, intellectual, career, and financial health. Educational opportunities could include health promotion classes on healthy eating, cooking, physical activity, um, financial uh, injury prevention um, or mindfulness. Um, Activity-based health promotion could include things like walking groups, yoga classes, uh, before work basketball group, um, hiking groups, or really anything that gets folks moving. You could also have peer support groups for more specific struggles um, that people want to work on, such as alcohol cessation, weight management, or dealing with school-related stress. Other things like on-site vaccinations, health screenings, or even on-site physicals could reduce barriers of access to a school staff that we know is very busy. Um, there can also be organizational or policy level efforts, such as policies that improve fitness facility access um, and recreation or improve the nutrition environment for staff. If you're interested in starting an employee wellness initiative, the uh, National Center for Chronic Disease Directors provides some simple steps an administrator can follow to stay organized, including build support, assemble a team, gather information, plan for success, maximize impact, demonstrate results, and maintain momentum. Uh, cultural considerations at the individual level include education of staff about health and wellness and how that could positively impact them, uh, their students, and their families. Um, at the interpersonal level, you want to consider how act interactions with other group members of your school community could promote wellness activities. At the organizational level, you want to gain input from stakeholders, 
um, about what would actually facilitate involvement in wellness activities. At the community level, consider how to partner to improve wellness. And at the policy level, you want to assess policies that encourage wellness activity participation and work with staff members to improve upon those existing policies. Okay, last segment of the series is going to be on community involvement. So it's critical that school leaders recognize that schools are a reflection of the community. The strengths will show up uh, as strengths within the school and the needs of the community will show up as well. A great quote from Paula Freer says, how is it possible for us to work in a community without feeling the spirit of the culture that's been there for many years, without trying to understand the soul of the culture? We cannot interfere in this culture. Without understanding the soul of the culture, we just invade. Okay, so students are a reflection of the community, therefore we cannot fully understand or see our students without having an understanding of the community. Culturally responsive pedagogy and culturally responsive leadership simply is not possible without actively learning about engaging with the community at large. Okay. Um, historically, this has happened in a number of different ways. I would say some are better than others. Um, so principals have you know, taught Sunday school. T principals um, have been involved at the local church. Uh, some principals play golf with the who's who around town or make sure that they attend every pancake breakfast within a 30-mile radius. Okay, um, Regardless of how you're choosing to engage with the surrounding community, um, it has to happen in a manner that allows you to better understand the students and families you serve, um, not just serve to um, uh, help boost your votes in a non-existent um, popularity contest. So to do this, systemic collaboration is absolutely essential. One of the goals of Healthy People 2030 is to increase the proportion of schools with policies and practices that promote health and safety. Uh, but this is actually cross-referenced as a topic with things having to do with the neighborhood, the built environment, and environmental health. Um, so to be sure, it can't occur without collaboration from other public entities, uh, such as government officials from the local municipality, public safety officials, and the county health department. So having systems in place for collaboration with those other youth-facing organizations is uh, absolutely required if you aim to uh, promote a healthy learning environment for your students, um, especially if you consider um, the campus at large and, and what surrounds the campus as part of the learning environment. Uh, so one such framework for collaborative systemic uh, collaboration is uh, the Community Action Framework for Positive Youth Development. Um, this is illustrated in a paper um, about what occurred in Travis County, Texas. Um, that's the home uh, to the city of Austin. So this framework is a coalition of youth-facing organizations, and it was sub-organized into work teams that facilitated a, a unity of effort um, to execute common but different goals. And as a result, Travis County, Texas was able to establish um, collective acceptance of the Community Action Framework um, as valued by all stakeholders. Uh, it was valued as a vehicle for sustained discussion about resource allocation, um, the dissemination of prod products, the monitoring of investments, um, 
It strengthened capacity of community adults to support youth. It integrated schools with public institutions and realigned public policy to support strategies. In the implementation stage, they were able to recruit and involve organizations that um, work to ensure adequate nutrition and health of youth, involved organizations that fostered intergenerational relationships, and improved the capacity of existing programs. Um, some things they were able to do in Austin were the mapping of youth services, improving college readiness, improving career readiness, uh, they improved civic engagement, uh, increased social well-being, uh, decreased homelessness, they improved adult family relationships, and improved adult social relationships. Okay, so a lot of really great things happened when they chose to work together. If you don't currently have a coalition of youth-facing organizations, uh, you can be the change. However, it might be tough to, to email everyone and just say, hey, do you want to join a coalition? Um, so you can start by trying to uh, recruit other youth-facing organizations to contribute to a collaborative effort um, towards the mapping of the youth services in your community. And then when you publish those results to stakeholders and on social media, and maybe you make handouts that, that sit in your front offices, um, when you publish those, you can give credits to the organizations involved. From here, based on those prior successes, you can try to develop more formalized relationships and start working towards accomplishing some of those same goals that they are able to accomplish in Texas. Cultural considerations at this level are pretty broad. Um, at the individual level, school personnel need education on the issues and the needs of the community. Um, at the interpersonal level, it's necessary to involve community members in the development of school activities, recruit school volunteers, um, especially those in positions of leadership that are representative of the racial and ethnic diversity uh, within your student population. At the organizational level, uh, there has to be accessible facilities for community use and regular input obtained from the community um, on school operations. At the community level, it's crucial to connect school activities to cultural events within the community and collaborate with community organizations to provide resources for the community. Um, and then lastly, at the policy level, uh, critically examine policies that support or inhibit community engagement and solicit input in the development and implementation of improved policies. Um, that concludes the three-part series on leading healthy schools. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about school health, the American School Health Association will be hosting um, their virtual conference on July 19th through 21st. I want to give a shameless plug uh, to them. And uh, I want to thank my advisor, Dr. Maria Kulgan, um, for supporting me and offering me a lot of flexibility uh, through this project. And my wife, for listening as I wax poetically about the WISC model. That's all I've got for you today. Thanks for watching. Let's make schools healthy.